0: This is the one with a Witch Wiggler.
1: A Technicothica.
0: The Law of Consonantal Shift.
1: And the single greatest comb-over in E-Space.
0: It's called State of Decay. Here we Here go. Here we go. <laughs> we're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Thal and Ood and the Cybertronic race. And Tarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales back when
2: reviewing all of who
0: there is who back when and subscribe and red or night please episode by episode we're trudging down this temporal. come join us on this odyssey what other choice could there be that Ooh, back when who back when What up, Podcast Land, and welcome to another fantabulous episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Past. That's right. And who said that? That was you. You are Jim. Hello, Jim.
1: Hello, Leon. Yes, you're right. It was me. And my name is Jim.
0: (laughs) I am Leon, and if you're wondering why I'm so incredibly super-duper excited, uh, it is partly because I'm one daiquiri in, but also partly because today we are discussing c one thirteen States of Decay which before we press records we reveal to each other. Jim. Actually wait, but you don't know this yet, Podcast Land, so let's reenact this. Oh, hey Jim, this is me about an hour ago. How are you doing?
1: Oh hey Leon from about an hour ago. This is Jim from about an hour ago. Oh, I'm doing cool. quite well. What did, oh. of of <laughs> <laughs> what did you
0: think of State of Decay?
1: I thought it was a little bit shy. What did you think of State of Decay?
0: I love the absolute shit out of it. <laughs>
1: Oh, wow. This will be an interesting (laughs) podcast.
0: Yeah. So we have another one of these really divisive reviews on our hands. And I cannot wait (laughs) to get started. (laughs) Me too. How about we ease podcast in with a bite-sized chunk of who first, though?
1: That seems like the best thing to do. Yeah, let's do that.
0: Time for us to synopsize, find and summarize So take a view, and grab a breath, and, and a hand hand listen to hand this overview, this free-for-all We like to call copy- A a chunk of who? By trunk trunk of who? Still stuck in Espace, the Fourth Doctor, Romana, and K9 are on the lookout for a way back home. Stumbling upon a planet with a population of maybe thirty people at most, who have barely even discovered astrology, they decide to land and see if anyone can point them in the direction of the nearest CBE.
1: There they find the cast of What We Do in the Shadows living in a rocket-shaped castle, rolling over the nearby village of Inbreds, and occasionally stealing some way to drain them of their blood because it trans. But an ancient giant vampire king from Gallifreyan legends is trying to return to End Space too.
0: And to make matters far far worse, a child actor has stowed away aboard the TARDIS. Beescow over. You are welcome. <laughs> Aren't you just <laughs> Jim? Having just gone through that B-scow, how can you possibly justify saying that this is a bad episode? <laughs>
1: Well, the thing that bugged me the most was they're quite open about the tropes that they are throwing at the screen in the very first episode. And then I thought, OK, you're going to have to do some work here to subvert that. Like You're saying you know about the the village with the low technology and the ruling class that has some high technology. Like They scan the planet. And they know that there was a civilization or there's an evidence of technology and all this kind of stuff. And then they don't do anything, really. It's just, nope, this is like every other shit. Shitty tropes. <laughs> Doctor Who episode where they've where they've got the one village planet the <laughs> yeah but they
0: even the say peasant. that that that's like a pre- I mean that's a point that they make there's no one else here except for one castle and
1: <laughs> one yeah. village acknowledging your shite trope doesn't make it better <laughs>
0: but it, they I mean they crashed there they crashed there ages
1: ago and and then what they never spread out they never like this is thousands no. of years
0: they don't have time to spread out because constantly I, I mean we don't. if it's thousands of years, it's several generations. Or maybe they say it's thousands of years. Either way, they don't have time to spread out because they land on this planet, a giant vampire king has taken the like three officers hostage. The other people, they only have enough time to breed <laughs> with each other in order to provide more. It's like that episode of Rick and Morty where they're like b- they're breeding in order to eat the offspring. <laughs> it's the same thing here. I mean, there aren't even enough of them. It's a miracle these people don't have three arms. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah i it just started on the back foot for me i think like it was just like trope city and they knew it was trope city and yet they didn't do enough work to get themselves out of it okay rick Rick and morty probably do this kind of stuff and yeah it's it's satire it's it's send it up and you know you get away with it by doing that doctor who doesn't do satire it does straight down the line yeah but we've we've told you it's a trope so it's fine
0: yeah but you know what doctor who has on a number of occasions done gothic horror and this is a return to that so before we go into the nitty gritty of this particular serial. How do you feel it's it stands up to other ones that we've done, like um, Brain of Morbius for the you know Frankensteinian story, or this was written by Terence Dicks, Uncle Terry, who also did Horror Fang Rock. Like, how, how do you? It, those are super mega heavy with tropes as well
1: isn't it more, more pastiche though no it's like isn't this they're intentionally isn't is this
0: it, they maybe, even I refer mean, to it, them as it, vampires
1: yeah which everyone understands for some reason <laughs>
0: yeah well why not i mean actually hang on here's a question for you there are they meant to be humans they're meant to be humans right
1: yeah they, they're meant to have been a human ship and i don't quite understand how the villages come to be to be honest i, I think your message that the vampires are the officers so the villagers were the descendants of the normal? Population? Well,
0: I don't know, I mean the lords, they are the only ones who are still, you know, remaining from the original crew. Yeah. Because they're now, I mean, spoilers they die at the end, but had they not died you know, then they they would theoretically be sort of immortal. They're vampires. Everyone else who is on this planet is the offspring of someone from that ship. So they themselves yeah. are not officers or such, that's, that's all I mean. I don't know, it, there may have been other officers as well, but those three certainly were officers once Upon a time. Yeah. Like, if you're like one was head of engineering, one was a comms officer or something like that.
1: Yeah, I wrote down, actually, because it just, I mean, this is one one thing I did like, actually, was the, there's a lot of kind of, like, acknowledging of, like, changes that Doc and Romana make. I think I think Romana does quite a good job at explaining a lot of these things. Doc generally put the seed out there, and, and Romana kind of has the meat of the conversation. Yeah. But, yeah, like, their names, like, evolved, and they saw it as a, like, passed down through the generations, and it, it twists a bit. But, actually, that's not the case. It's more that these people just sort of changed their names. Yeah, Sharky goes to Zargo yep. after overtime. O'Connor <laughs> goes to Orcon, uh-huh. and McMillan goes to Camilla.
0: Yes, uh, L- little tense,
1: but okay. <laughs>
0: I think I think it works.
1: I mean, if it's been thousands of
0: years, then why not? I have uh, <laughs> I wrote down slightly alternative names for them in my notes. I have either Laszlo, Nadja, and Nandor. <laughs> Because they were just straight <laughs> up the cars. Uh, what we do in the shadows. Or at first I just wrote Zorro, Drusilla and on, Because <laughs> I couldn't get a single <laughs> one of their names.
1: Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, this is so much a, a, a vampire. You know, you're right. Maybe, maybe it is meant to be a pastiche. Because like, we've got bats. We've got stakes. Yeah, We've got every the sun that is associated. With, like the only thing we didn't have was garlic, I suppose. Oh, that's true. You know? Yeah,
0: and oh, actually, which taste steaks? Yes, but then the I was surprised to find that the head vampire, the vampire king, he needs a
1: metal stake. It did seem a little bit more that that was just when you're talking about a giant, giant steak. It's just easier. To propel a bit of metal than it is a bit of wood.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, maybe. That, yeah, that's it's that's just, probably a very good point. <laughs>
1: just burns up on re-entry because these guys like are the size of a planet. No, he's not. But <laughs> I don't know.
0: So shall we start with those three officers then? How do you find them?
1: Zargo and Camilla. Most of the time, whereas the three of them in the room look like Orcon's backing dancers. <laughs> like, I know exactly what you mean. There's... <laughs> Someone's filming an Adamant video, and they're just in the background. (laughs) I mean, Orcon isn't Adamant, but you know, it's it's that sense where they're just kind of like behind him, and going, "Ah, yes, I've I've got some."
0: Yeah, they're posing, and
1: (laughs) (laughs) I got some shapes to throw. (laughs) But you're the lead guy, obviously. (laughs) What's your take on them? Did you you get an initial impression with like because they don't change appearance throughout the series? You know, no, that's true. Right face with, with like goth. Bit horror yeah horror. i mean, I
0: feel like i knew very very early on that they were vampires maybe not part one but certainly in part two yeah but you are right they don't change in appearance and for that reason it's a bit odd to me when they are revealed to be vampires i think there is a blatant inconsistency in terms of when who has fangs so they have <laughs> fangs and they'll open their mouths and be like oh look at me i'm tot smelots vampire but then in other scenes they're just regular people who hiss that Maybe bugged me a little bit. In general, I loved them. I thought they were great. Throughout, at the very least, most of part one, I took this to be yet another one of those we're on an alien planet and there's a feudal society and that's just what we're going to do. You know, sort of like the androids of Tara of situation. And I was very pleasantly surprised to find that that was not the case. Uh, What's his name? Blarcon? Orcon. yeah. He represents a trope that we have encountered on a number of occasions. You know, the the sort of the, the medicine man, the fortune teller who happens to also know a bit about space and who maybe wields a slightly greater understanding of what's going on than his superiors. In fact, are didn't they, we have they, that in Android Untouch as
1: well? They technically are superiors because, yeah, one is the king and the yeah. other is his lady, I think they refer to, not the queen.
0: Oh, that's oh yeah, that's true. Which was in- but he's effectively like a high priest or something. Yeah. A- I think as opposed I, to nobility, person, I mean.
1: You're right, it's that advisor, that soothsayer, scientist. Bloke yes, exactly. Who's really pulling all the strings.
0: Oh, yeah, but then it's, it, whenever it is, I can't remember if it's part one or part two, whenever they're like, all right, hey, soothsayer guy, we hear tell of strangers, and he's like, oh, I'm going to send my minions and then hard cut to an army of bats (laughs) like yep alright they're (laughs) vampires I get it
1: (laughs) yeah <laughs> actually did he because I, I got a note at the end of episode one is where we first see bats but maybe we didn't see Orcon send them at that point maybe we didn't know that they were under his control
0: do you know what my very last note is for part one it is just oh no Jim Cakes isn't going to be very
1: impressed with this cliffhanger <laughs> actually <laughs> oh no, really it was, it was a bit <laughs> <laughs> like, no the, it's one of those ones where I didn't mind the cliffhanger because oh, it was, you know there's a load of bats everywhere they're being attacked it, it wasn't I didn't feel like anyone was going to get eaten alive by bats. It wasn't that kind of. Was it, was it
0: because those bats were clearly on strings, and a few of them just fell down on screen? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Love those might, bats. Had to it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, the, yeah, the resolution was that they just flew off. Like, <laughs> yeah, there wasn't anything... I, I didn't write any note, and I don't remember anything that says, oh, the bats are now scared or anything. Or they, they're not interested in feeding on Doc anymore. It was just, nope, they've gone. <laughs> they were just passing through anyway.
0: Yeah, that's true. Once again, I've not paid attention to the resolutions, but, no, you're absolutely right. Anywho, at this point, it's very clear, Blorkon is a vampire... At the very least, he's a vampire. Most likely, they're all vampires, right? Yeah. The only other real thing about Blockon or Blockon or whatever for me was his relationship with Adric, because he stone cold wants to Michael Jackson Adric. Am I right? Like there is some tension there.
1: Yeah, I don't understand. Well, I mean, I don't want Adric to exist. That's no, no, right. That fact. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he doesn't deserve creepy Orcon going, hmm, I'm stuck in eternity. Uh, I would quite like you, young child, to be stuck in eternity with me.
0: Yeah, and to remain young forever. He he
1: says, oh, he's so
0: young and malleable, is the only quote there that I've written down. It's highly inappropriate and quite awkward.
1: Yeah, very good observation. There's definitely a, a sense I got from Orcon. Of, well, I, th- I think at the time I thought it was a bit overacting. On occasion, I thought he was bloody brilliant. I, th- I think there was one thing towards the end when the rebels under Doc's insistence and with Canine kind of helping them out actually start attacking the tower and the guards are all getting killed left, right and center. The head guard comes in and he's like, Orkon, you've got to help us. We're all being killed. We're all going to die. And Orkon just with such like menace of every fiber of his being just kind of moves closer to him and says, then die. That is the purpose of (laughs) (laughs) guards. That was brilliant.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a fantastic line and fantastic delivery. And he really comes into his own in that scene. To pick up on something that you said before, that like occasionally there was some overacting, I would I mean, I see that bet, and I raise you an always overacting. Those three were <laughs> chewing scenery like crazy bananas. And I loved them for I'll it. Oh, the other
2: two. Oh, the, the other, other two, two in particular so
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think you're right actually they might be over the top in the way that it's kind of nice <laughs> i think orcon was a little too serious with it most of the time so his overacting which i don't think was as frequent as theirs i think his overacting like yeah really felt bad but then he was able to nail some of these things and it was worth it but i don't know and I, right I, thinking... I looked him up actually sorry he was he was a, more of a, a thespian so i think Ah, I see. That might be where there's possibly a mix of uh, stuff.
0: Was he meant to? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Was was he meant to have not only a, a greater understanding of what's going on because he's sort of the conduit to communicate with what's his face, the the vampire king? He's the equivalent of the dude with the staff in um, the Naimons, right? Um,
2: Naimon. <laughs>
0: But, am I right in thinking that he is also the only one who actually remembers who they are?
1: Hmm, I'm not sure about that. He can contextualise everything. Like, he knows who they were, that they've been, like, vampires for a very long time, that they have a duty to the vampire, the giant vampire king. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The great one. And the other two don't, yeah, they don't seem to care about anything. They just want to feed... I mean, they're aware down of
0: though. E-Space and N-Space, all three of them, right? But I feel like there's a scene where the Doctor mentions... I really should know this. I watched this serial today, this morning. This was my breakfast. And I feel like there was a scene where the Doctor mentions their real names and only Blarkon goes, Where did you... How do you know those names? You know, the... What? Smith! Which then turned into Blarkon! You know, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, that rings bell actually. I, I'm not yeah. the lady had had been kind of compressed into just being mindless vampires a bit. Yeah. I feel like their characters devolved as the story went along. They, because they were they're sat on their thrones to start with. They are calling the shots. Orcon isn't even in the room. I think.
0: No, you're right. I don't think he is.
1: Yeah, it seems like as soon as Orcon is on the scene and it, you know the, he utters his first word, and suddenly yeah, the king and the lady just start turning more and more into vampire like. Yeah, that's true. And less of like commanding humans who have lived for a long time.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right. Okay, so I'm sure we'll return to these three at some point because they are part of you know the major plot. How about we... Should we just get Adric out of the way? And then we can focus on Doc and the villagers.
1: He's utter shite. There we go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had completely forgotten about Adric, actually. When he suddenly showed up, I I was incredibly disappointed. I really do not
1: like that guy. Yeah. No, likewise. And stowing away on the TARDIS? No, I'm not okay with that. That's happened before. Um, oh, has it? Yeah. But, like, this little shit is ballsy enough to do it, and we have to accept the possible as well. I don't, I don't like that. So who's who's stowed away before? Hang on, I'm going to open up the
0: Vindex, because I feel like I'm going to be able to find this if I look at the companions listed on the, on the Vindex. Right. Okay, here we go. So, pretty sure Steven Taylor, Steve, the Steve Meister, I'm pretty sure he stowed away, because he was stuck on a planet with the, whatever the circular Dalek wannabes were called, spheroids or the circular trons or something. I don't know, I can't remember. Pretty sure Katarina, who was a just a, a civilian from Troy, she was a Trojan, pretty sure she stowed away as well. So this is a person who doesn't have a maths merit badge and who isn't super duper clever or intended to be doesn't even share a language with the Doctor and who doesn't even know what a doorknob is. Like, even she's the away. Um oh I feel like other people have done so as well in the past. I can't remember now, but I'm pretty sure it's happened with others. So that in and of itself doesn't bother me, I must say. What bothers me, however, with him having stood away a- aboard the TARDIS is that when he then suddenly materializes, you know, when he exits the TARDIS, he isn't impressed by the fact that he's on a new planet. He meets aliens. He- that's not impressive to him. He's like, oh, cool, yeah. We- I guess we can all speak English, like- like, I mean, I'm sure that's fine. I'm not going to question this situation. Can I have your food? Can I steal your bread? You little shit. Yeah. No.
1: Yeah, fucking shit. I guess, to be fair, he is just mean humans, but, like, he's obviously in a different place. Like, yeah. And I, I'm not on board with how much he seems to know as well. Like, I have no that he asks for cheese. I mean, we last saw his people basically <laughs> taking watermelons. And
2: he's never seen a cow. I don't know,
1: lived in a she- ship. Like we didn't see farm- farming, or other agriculture. Like yeah, they have nothing in their society. Like I don't even know what they lived on. Cheese? No.
0: <laughs> no, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, I like that. That's a that's a super good point. Did he get cheese? Did they have cheese here? Because if they did, I, don't think they I didn't see was. any cows, I didn't see any goats, that's yeah.
1: not any kind of cheese I want to eat, thank you very much. <laughs> like, they had the reaction he should have had if someone asked him for cheese. Like, none of these people should know what cheese is, because they're not <laughs> well-developed medieval societies, they're, they're yeah, exactly. many, many clusters of peasants that have been dumped in one, one place that don't understand anything. Exactly,
0: and they've been having sex with their parents and making new sibling t- children for themselves for thousands of years they shouldn't have any conception of you know old cuisine <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's pretty grim and this dude yeah exactly I mean he, you're right he grew up on a watermelon planet and now he's here and asking for camembert
1: makes no sense any oh shit stealing
0: yes <laughs> yeah. I just want to express my agreement with Joe Ford, Doc Oho himself, who in his mini for the last one, Full Circle, pointed out that Andrik can't walk across sets. It's
1: true! uh, Damn it. I've not picked up on this yet. Damn it. I should have been looking out for it. I
0: I only noticed it in one situation, and I, I think it's in part one when he suddenly appears, you know, from the hidden room in the TARDIS and he just walks across the console room, and it's just the least convincing walk ever
1: like he can't even walk that's not bad an actor we're talking about
2: <laughs> oh
1: that's the other thing that really annoyed me is that they had him i, mean, I don't even want to say it they had him outsmarting canine and being yes. an arrogant shit about it yeah and it's like no that's not cool like everyone's nice to canine you're just being a little brat and no it's horrible
0: did you feel that he genuinely wanted to remain on the planet and turn into Empire? Or do you think that he actually intended to outsmart the vampires themselves?
1: I mean, he claimed it was a bluff. I don't know if I buy that claim. When he was being such an asshole to Romana... There are no other vampires around. Um, yeah, it's like, he doesn't need to bluff to her. You're right, you're absolutely right. And I just, I also don't want to commend him with the ability to be able to bluff his way out of any situation and be able to <laughs> act in any, any conceivable manner against his, his actual nature. <laughs>
0: I read a little bit of trivia about him, and it seems as though the character is exactly as odious to us as the actor was to much of the production team, unfortunately. Oh, really? Okay, a couple of things. I'm going to paraphrase some stuff here. So, Tom Baker and... and, um, What's her name? Romana. Lala Ward. Yeah. They had, I guess, a couple of serials ago, they had broken up, and uh, I think we discussed this at the time as well, when we reviewed whichever serial it was. So, they had broken up at the time, and then... A couple of weeks before shooting this, Tom Baker suggested that they get back together again. And she was like, nope, not having that. I don't want to be, I I, I just want to be friends. So Tom Baker suddenly decided he doesn't want to talk to her. This is not from a gossip column. This is from IMDb or Tardis Wiki or Wikipedia or whatever. So uh, you don't don't complain, podcast land. So anyway, so they are not they're not talking to each other. They are not on speaking terms. But guess what? <laughs> guess what brought them back together again?
1: <laughs> the hatred of the guy that plays Patrick <laughs>
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> Here's the one bit that I have copy pasted from one of these websites. They were both united in their dislike of Matthew Waterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> he uh-huh. found them intimidating while they found him impertinent and disrespectful. <laughs> 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 and then, shortly after the serial, they got engaged. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, oh,
2: <really? laughs> yeah,
0: so that's how strongly they hated this guy. And then there are lots of other, I mean, there, there were tons of lines on these websites about. How Matthew Waterhouse was—he was rude to various members of the production team. Was rude to Tom Baker. He at one point tried to give Tom Baker acting tips during a scene. He was like, "No, I think it would be better if you did it like this." And Tom ba- t- told him to go fuck himself. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> the actual quote is: uh, Tom Baker told him in a pub, "Piss off, will you?" <laughs> <laughs> this is his co-star. <laughs> So pretty great, you know. <laughs>
1: well, on the plus side, we've got someone to hate for a while because I yeah. don't think he's going away anywhere soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately not.
1: <laughs> I just have to to say how anguished I am when I, or anguished I was sorry when I saw. How long he's going to be here? Have you seen how long he's oh, going to no. be here? Oh no!
0: I think I looked it up the last time, but I've forgotten. How how? Oh shit! How long are we talking? Because I know he hangs out. We're with in the next as well. Yeah. Oh no! Are
1: we talking yeah. years? We're right at the end, 1980, November, December, through this serial. Uh huh. And this is this is only his second one, but yeah, he's listed as through to 1982.
0: Oh great! Okay, so potentially two full years
1: of this chap. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's enough about him. Let's yeah, just yeah, you're right. Let's, l- let's 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 not waste
0: more time <laughs> on Adric. Can we please yeah, talk? the rebellion and the rebels
1: <laughs> i mean we can try <laughs> i mean i don't think i understood a single thing about them to be honest
0: <laughs> i don't know exactly you're right like even on a fundamental level i don't understand their motivations where they're coming from or how they got to where they currently are all i know is that they yeah, have yeah. somehow taken the first tentative steps to rudimentary wig technology <laughs> or possibly they have the best comb over <laughs> i mean one of them uh Kalmar was his name
1: is he the lead dude the the science guy
0: yes exactly he, how can you not know which one I'm talking about I'm talking about the one who had hair extensions that were braided and then turned into just the shittest basket on top of his head
1: <laughs> and it, and also wears a, a kind of metal thing around his head that looks like it might be holding his hair in yes yeah. yes exactly <laughs> Like possibly it's just a hair hat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I looked. They're they're attached to his actual hair.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, we got this science guy with the the best hair extensions yeah. money can buy. Yes. And where do they he get these? Yeah, the only one that has managed to make sense of this essentially abandoned technology. Which yeah. I mean it must have come from the spaceship that is the tower.
0: That's true. But how? How do they get it to work? Where's the power source? We didn't say this in our B-Scale, but in this society, it is forbidden to learn how to read or to practice any kind of science. One would assume that maybe reading is already a prerequisite for, <laughs> for any more advanced science, but like no knowledge is allowed, which seems a bit weird. Because I mean, they're allowed to. I mean, there's commerce clearly because there's a, a a pub or a restaurant or something, and I mean, they're you know they're, they're working the field, so they must have passed down knowledge about that somehow. They might have. To tools, who knows, but they're not allowed to learn anything. And more importantly, no one can read. So how did these people go from zero knowledge... You know, this is thousands of, or like, generations since anyone knew how to read. So how did they reach a point where they could maneuver a computer?
1: I mean, I didn't put my brain to it ever. time. I have not really got an answer for you. Okay. I don't understand it either. <laughs> the, thing, the thing that just popped into my head as a potential, not retro rewrite, but unexplained thing, is Como the Dude, a vampire as well. But he's not oh. under the influence of the Great One.
0: I love that as an idea. About the
1: way it could work. Like, no one else has a frigging clue. They're all like, ah, yes, wizard man. Show us your magic boxes. He understands, like, these computers. He understands physics and all this kind of stuff. And there's literally no one else around that has any any foot on the ladder towards that.
0: Yeah. No, exactly. I also noticed they have a map on which they've written the village and the tower. But they don't know how to read. So, oh, they, even if to, even if Tom Baker, even if the doctor wrote that on the map, it's not going to help
1: anyone. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Maybe that explains why they wrote RHQ. <laughs> <laughs> Because that was that was my personal favourite from that map.
2: <laughs> wait, wait,
0: wait. I, I I didn't catch this. What is that?
1: Like when Doc's saying like basically like we are here, we gotta go here, it it's labelled as RHQ. It's not just HQ, Rebel HQ or anything. It's like it's RHQ. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, that's what? adorable. I love that. Isn't
0: that great? That's fantastic. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I don't know if it's fantastic. It's something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're also really good at karate chops. And I don't really understand why they haven't won ages ago, because you can just go in and karate chop some people and then you're in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was the timing of the the ceremony so that the the vampire people themselves were out of action, I suppose.
0: But there is a time when the vampire people are sleeping as well.
1: That's very true. Apart from Orcon. Orcon doesn't seem to sleep.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, you're right. He's somewhere else. He's probably like off practicing, you know, priesthood. But (laughs) there is a point where one of the rebels, like the rebel leader, not the rebel elder, but the rebel leader and Romana go into... Blorkon and... No, not on What's the other guy's name? Zorro. Like, yeah, Zorro. Yeah. <laughs> they, they go into Zorro and Drusilla's bedroom. They're just fast asleep. If they wanted to, they could just karate chop everyone else. I mean, like, you know, let's say Doc and Roman and K9 never arrived. So they just go there. They karate chop cards. They take the hotel key card. By the way, love that there's a hotel key card to get in. <laughs> <laughs> And then they go in and just, you know, plant a wooden stake in the baddies or cut their heads off or whatever. You know, what's the big fucking deal?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is, it is, because they've gone in there to rescue Adric, I think, at that point. Yeah. Like, or romano has gone in to rescue Adric and rebel dude who might be called Tarek, I'm not sure. Yes, Tarek He's just traitor. gone in and like, Tarek the traitor, yes. Like, he just wants to go and cause some shit, I think. Well, maybe he is there to rescue people as well. But yeah, they so they have a very particular thing to do and they, like, take advantage of the fact that the king and Queen are asleep. But yeah, the, you kind of go, hmm, well, we got in here quite easily this time and found them sleeping. Maybe we come back tomorrow with our steaks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Or, you know what? Maybe they don't even know about the whole steak thing. Maybe they just think these are regular people, you know, people in power. Why don't they at least try to stab them? Yeah, t-
1: no, because I think... I think Tarek wanted to attack them then, and Romana says, Ah, but we would need a stake. Oh. Okay. And I, I forget. Oh, I forget yeah, no, you're if, right. It's like, Oh, oh you need bam. a
0: wooden stake, and he holds up his knife. It's like, Wow, you really are an imbecile. <laughs> like, like, you, <laughs> you don't even understand materials. <laughs> Very rudimentary (laughs) materials. And I would assume that wood, like burning wood, somehow, was involved in the process of manufacturing that beautiful metal knife that you wield. So how do you not understand (laughs) the difference between wood and metal? (laughs) You go and eat in a pub made of wood.
1: (laughs) Yeah. God, these, yeah, these <laughs> tiny decisions so, just frustrate me so much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I'm like, going to have to take down my rating a little
1: bit. You can't have one person who understands stuff and everyone else is dumb as shit. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what?
0: You're so right. Yeah, no, right. totally got fair.
1: A guy, Ivo. Ivo, Ivo yes. I've got a son. I, Ivo,
0: head man.
1: <laughs> I've head written. Man. Father, lover, some other bollocks. Um, <laughs> Who... Picked up, a, a like, a radio communication device at one point to talk to the rebels.
0: Wait, oh, you're right. I forgot about that. What? What was that about?
1: And, yeah, I, I was like, oh, wait, this is... They are going to subvert the trope of, like, one village, one planet. It's going to be one of those... I think Star Trek's done it probably loads of times where it's, like, a, a fake... Like, as a, a front for a more advanced civilization. Yeah. I think they did it in. Actually, if, if anyone watched uh, Stargate Atlantis, and there's there's like a, a race of creatures that are preying on all these human colonies, and one colony hides the fact that they've been advancing, basically, and like show off that they are not an advanced civilization and aren't worth a. they're not a threat to anyone, but behind the scenes, like they've got big ass laser guns and shit. Oh, cool. Yeah. I thought it was going to turn into that kind of thing, but no, it's just one dude has a radio device to talk to a bunch of idiots, then that's it.
0: (laughs) I had totally forgotten about that scene. You're totally
1: right. It's never properly explored and explained. Like, we see this this one... Tavern, and it's and that's print, all of them, by the print, way. That print, is the because...
0: whole population,
1: exactly. And you're you're so right to point out the fact that like to get to the point where you have a tavern, like you have to have people that produce food or beer yeah. or whatever it is it's... they're consuming, and you know it has to be so many so many steps. Like presumably, there's if not money, there's a barter system. And you need something to barter with, and it's just like or it's just like a, a socialist utopia where you know everyone just chips in what they need to do, and yeah, well everyone... it's a, it's
0: a socialist <laughs> utopia. Ex- except it's paired with extreme capitalism, whereby you don't pay, you know, a feudal tax of 10%. You pay, like about 150%, those additional 50% being your children. <laughs> like, everything just goes to the feudal lords. but it's
2: and a,
1: a, occasionally a pint of blood, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Isn't it weird as well, by the way, that the lords, I mean, they, they show up and they pick up all the strongest people. They're like, oh, are these your best people? Yes, they're the best people. Like, oh, great. And oh, wait, hang on, there's a young person over there that we've missed out. No, no, come over here, boy. We're going to take you as well. And this happens every now and then. So doesn't that mean that the population is getting older? older and older like even if they have kids is isn't are, are they allowed to have kids at all there were no children there the youngest people around were the ones that were taken it's,
2: yeah it's going to end <laughs> up
0: with like a, a handful of 80 year olds all of them related to each other all of them fucking in a pile <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it, i wish i'd made it made a note you because I, I, I really got the impression it was like a thousand years least you, you may Instagram. very well be
0: right i just missed that bit it's,
1: Definitely multiple generations, isn't yeah. it? It's like, like multiple, multiple, multiple. Like the people who are alive in that village now have no concept of the spaceship having crashed correct like you've got to get let's say six generations deep before even the myth of it is faint and fuzzy i, I don't know it's just like yeah they, they've been procreating for, for that long and the vampires have been taking sacrifices they've been draining blood from people left right and center they they don't, I don't we don't get any kind of indication that they were a little bit stingy to start with they only took one or two or something and now they're ramping it up like presumably they've been feeding all this time the great one has been feeding all this time Time, I mean know. they took
0: like a third of the people.
1: Exactly. In part yeah. one. Like, There's like all like, of a how... sudden
0: <laughs> they've culled their population by thirty three percent. Most so of you, by yeah, the way, are, are they... the strong labourers. Oh sorry, I talked over you there. Sorry.
1: No, I, I was just disagreeing with you. Like uh, how how are they meant to have lasted this long? Like no not more points off Leon. It's shit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I am taking a few decimal points off this. Yeah, I'm changing this.
0: Okay, okay. Overall, I've already taken off 0.4 at the moment. Okay. Okay.
1: So if it- I can get you a- get a whole one off yourself, <laughs> I don't
0: want that to happen though. <laughs> Okay, here's another thing that really bothered me about the tavern, which by the way, it might just be like a staff canteen. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they don't have commerce. It's just their lives are, their lives only comprise working in the fields and eating in the canteen. And that's it.
1: Quite possibly. Yeah.
0: Okay, well anyway, so another thing that really bothered me about that was when he who shall not be named I I apologize, I'll break that rule. Adric shows up when when he steals the bread or he tries to steal the bread. Ivo the head man goes, oh buddy, that's my bread dude grabs the bread and then all of a sudden he's like adric is adopted by these people like he's just arrived he's suddenly adopted by they won't let him leave and the the mother i mean they've just lost their kids oh by the way it's a tragic thing and that's then not really revisited until the dad you know kills the guard but that's it anyway they've adopted adric and they go let him stay the night just let him stay the night. But it's goddamn bright daylight out there. Like, it's not like he showed up and it's super late and there might be animals about. It's like lunchtime. I was like, oh, let him stay the night. <laughs> no, let him go out now while it's still bright out
2: there.
1: Yeah, I didn't buy that scene in the line. I just, <laughs> I just well, let's, let's bring in a, a motherly figure. There we go. She can give him a coat and a bit of cheese. No, he didn't get his cheese. Good. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, what are you trying to are you trying to make us sympathetic to Adric, and we meant to take her side and feel like, "Oh, yeah, he needs looking after. Well if that's the case, don't make him such a shit) <laughs> 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 can we switch
0: tacks completely? Can I bring up something positive? And I'm almost certain that you will agree. Okay. The ambience down in the caves, you know, below the rocket, inside the castle below the rocket, was that not incredible? You know, the music, the d- deliberate lulls in dialogue, the little sound effects, everything.
1: Wait, which bits are you referring to? Are you referring to the the kind of arising?
0: Uh pre arising. But also, you know what? Also the arising. But I, I was thinking more in in part two this is where doc and romana they've found the little opening inside the throne and they've made their way through the cockpit and you know down some sort of chute and they they're now walking around by themselves and it's a really long sequence that is very quiet there's some spooky ooky music in the background occasionally there are some like spooky stings and stuff all of a sudden Blackon on shows up out of nowhere I thought it was excellent. It was like some of the creepiest Doctor Who we've had.
1: Yeah, no, I, I will agree with you on that. I thought that was uh, pretty spooky shit. Actually, I think actually the series as a whole, if I watched this as a kid, I would have been freaking oh, pooing absolutely. my you, you
0: would have been traumatized.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did the horror stakes reasonably well. Some, some wobbles here and there. The only thing I will throw in there is a slight negative. Okay. It, they made Romana really scared, and I didn't really like that. Like, I think it was there to make the audience scared. It's like helping set the scene. Like, this is a freaky place. Like, there are dead bodies everywhere. And
0: yes, exactly. Then Organ
1: comes along as the creepy is and goes, you are in the resting place. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, in fact, yeah, that's this is the cliffhanger of episode two. Like, oh! All right. I am Orgon. Welcome to my domain. <laughs> Another positive then
0: production value in general.
1: Yeah, pretty good. Trying to think if there's standout stuff. I think the costumes and makeup actually were quite good for the the three vampire people. I
0: thought the miniature was... was pretty good.
1: Yeah, the miniature, particularly the rocket takeoff, I really. Oh loved.
0: yes, yes, you're right.
1: What were you going to point out?
0: Well, I was thinking of the rocket before it takes off. So you have the rocket castle and you have the village around it. There's even a scene where it's seen sort of through a telescope or whatever it is. They've just put a filter around the camera, so it's all seen in one yeah. little circle. And it's so very clearly a miniature, and I loved it. It was beautifully done.
1: Yeah, no, was cool. I don't know if I was as blown away by the, uh, the Great One's hand coming through the ground.
0: But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, fair. I thought it was awesome, but...
1: <laughs> I, I liked the the bit before it where it was like the ground was just like shaking and the things pulsating were, was, ground. Yeah, exactly. And it was yeah the I think stuff was falling from the ceiling as well. Like it, you really felt like everything was erupting. Yeah, and something was breaking through. But then yeah, when it comes as a you know someone's just shoved their hands through. It was I like, thought oh. that
0: I thought it was very effective. I liked. Yeah, I thought it was a very nice composition. Like it looked it looked good in terms of you know just post production at least for 1980.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. No,
0: but I mean I, I'm I'm happy to disagree on that point. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? I, there's something else that you said that I I, I want to pick up on. Romana, you said you didn't like that Romana was scared, maybe exaggeratedly scared during that sequence that we discussed just a moment ago how did you feel about romana in general were you happy with the rest of her portrayal in the serial
1: i'm trying to think of her impact in the story definitely quite a few scenes i felt like possibly earlier on where doc and romana were like discussing things and like i think like i said before it may have been doc that kind of like put the seed into the discussion but it was generally romana that had the meat of the explanation Mm. which was i quite enjoyed that and they were talking about the way that the civilization had kind of like devolved or something like that i think and i don't know if that kind of goes to the wayside after that and she tries to rescue adric but fails which is a bit of a shame
0: did you like her conversation with the doctor when they've been taken prisoner it's in part three and they both exchange sort of dink anecdotes <laughs> They, they have anecdotal dinks where Doc goes, Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, apropos of nothing, I used to hang out with this old person somewhere on Gallifrey who used to tell me uh, ghost stories. Here, let me just tell you a random ghost story that this person told me. Oh, it's about, like, the war with great big vampires. <laughs> like, giant vampires. <laughs>
1: It's not a Dink. He knows what he's doing. He like, knows what he's doing. He's yes, not,
0: you're right. <laughs> well, he's like, yeah, okay, so so that's probably what we're talking about here. And then Romana goes, oh, actually, here, here's an interesting thing. I used to have an internship at the, you know, whatever, the archives. And I was once told that as a security measure, we had one book in every TARDIS. Oh, by the way, it's this exact TARDIS. Oh, coinkydink. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, you had that job. So, it, let's just say a couple of things. I think Romana is shit. I oh. love Romana in general, but I think she's... I I don't think she's well written in this one as in fleshed out as a character because she worked at the archives yet and it seems as though this is a big thing this this should like everyone should be aware of this certainly she should be aware of the fact that there's a safety copy of Rassilon's whatever it was called the diary of Rassilon or something in every TARDIS but the second thing is the Doctor goes it was the longest biggest greatest war it seems as though it's the size of the time war before there was a time war you know it's enormous it's the biggest possible war. It was so big, in fact, that Gallifreyans decided, we're sick and tired of violence. We don't want to wage war anymore. So that seems like a big deal. So why doesn't everyone know about this? Why doesn't, specifically, Romana know about this?
1: That is a very good point. The only counterpoint to that in Romana's defense, though, is Doc is telling this story as like a tale that was told to him or like around the campfire as a ghost story. Like yeah. this isn't part of Gallifreyan lore. It's part of a niche bit of Gallifreyan legend. And I, I don't know if possibly most things to do with Rassilon are like that. I feel like this has come up before, where basically people don't know what Rassilon did, and mm. he did some dodgy shit, and he did some good shit. I feel like, and he's yeah. manipulated his story is manipulated in lots of ways. I think in classic and New Who to like make you have questions of like what his motivation is, whether he was a good guy or whatever, and all this kind of stuff. And I wonder if yeah, okay, this this was a massive part of Gallifreyan history, but today it's just not recorded. recorded very well or like it's written as a story and not everyone knows the story
0: oh maybe i guess so and then maybe the diary of rassilon or whatever it wasn't called the diary but you know what i mean that book of rassilon's would contain everything that he experienced not just this chapter and so therefore she goes well good for us like if this is true then it will be in that book
1: there's no getting around the fact that this conversation is very convenient like (laughs) to, (laughs) to have this resource like suddenly brought up now like i feel like like, this could have happened at any point that Roman is like, oh, this is a tight 40. You know, we've got a copy of the resource of Rassilon or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, I, I never actually got to look at that when I was in the archives. We should go through that because that would be amazing. I'm sure, Doctor, you would love this. You know, it literally could have happened in any any serial. And the fact that they, it comes up in this one is, yeah, it is a slightly quinkadinky thing. I actually really like that scene, th- to be fair. Yeah,
0: I, and I think you've turned me around as well, actually. I apologize. I want to take that back. You're 100% right.
1: <laughs> okay. Yay but yeah. also i don't understand how i made you go up
0: <laughs> <laughs> i viewed this in the wrong context that book is not about this war as in it's not about the war against the vampires it's just like the account it's, it's almost like a biography of rasselons isn't it or an autobiography rather
1: yeah i guess so which seems to be a series of punch cards as well which goes <laughs> yeah, which is great <laughs> <laughs> quite amazing yeah I thought that was actually quite nice I like Doc in that as well getting to play storyteller but it was an interesting situation where and I'm not sure if Tom Baker's doctor does this more than other doctors but he, he definitely frequently has this air of I know what's going on I'm just choosing when I let everyone else know yeah exactly
2: <laughs> and not,
1: not always just let everyone else know what's going on I let everyone else know that I know what's going on you know yeah this was one of those scenes where it plays out really really well and he's telling the story Story like he's telling a story but as an underline of and this is what's really happening now you're like you don't have to wait till I finish the story to know that I'm yeah, representing right. all the events of right now and oh uh, yeah I, I thought that was done really well I like
0: that I, I like that as an observation that's a that's a very nice aspect to not only the serial but his character in general
1: yeah so the rest of romana stuff I think was probably kind of par for the course so what, what about doc then what do you what do you think about doc in this serial I loved him
0: I, I don't know if this is entirely true but I feel like maybe the last couple of serials, we haven't been super duper enthused by Tom Baker or Tom Baker's performance. And that's perhaps largely related to the fact that he was very poorly during production. Mm -hmm. In fact, apparently he was quite poorly during this recording as well. But this marks, yeah, yeah. apparently this marks the turning points for him in terms of, in terms of his health. One of the trivia points that I read was that because of his health issues, his hair went straight. And they had to give him a perm during oh, during wow. this serial, yeah, because otherwise he has you know naturally curly hair. Anywho, so with that in mind, as in with the fact in mind that we haven't felt that he was 100%, this time it really felt like a return to form for him. There are so many scenes in which he gets his cool fourth Doctor one-liners. He gets to be a little crazy now and then. You know, like, there's power here. Can you not feel it? And the Doctor just, like, sucks on his finger, puts it in the air and goes, no. <laughs> yes. There I are like some that. fantastic lines. Or was it, there's nothing worse than a peasant with indigestion.
1: <laughs> That's literally what note I just I just highlighted as I was scrolling past to find duck, good doc duck stuff <laughs> <laughs> there's a lovely computers that we were talking about earlier we don't understand how no one understands them apart when it's one guy but doc of course understands them and knows that they're earth tech because if you smack it it starts working again <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Definitely <a deaf> <laughs> and uh, I guess this is, someone's trying to explain whatever the wasting is, which I don't think we have already got an explanation, but they, they explain it as the wasting is uh, the wasting. Yeah. And Doc's response is, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, much clearer. <laughs> I, I cleared that up, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think this was Doc back on form for the most part. I, I wasn't quite sure about his level of talking to himself when he is trying to set off the the scout rockets to be um flying stakes but I think it was. I think it worked in the well cockpit. Enough. You mean, or yeah? So he's he's going around the cockpits and like one of them doesn't work, and he's just, oh right, yeah. He yeah. has to go back to and yeah. All of that is yeah. Doc's just ex expositioning everything. Yeah, as uh, talk, talking to himself. Yeah, yeah. I don't know.
0: Even if that scene may have been a teeny tiny bit subpar, I can live with it. I thought he was fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, me too. Yeah, okay. just an
0: observation. Mm. Right. Uh, Little Birdie tells me that we might be venturing back into Orcon country.
1: Yes, Little Birdie. Can we talk about Orcon, please? woo
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you start us off? What was your block on point? I
1: was wondering about how we interpreted his kind of mind control stuff and... The fact that he can do it on Time Lord and
0: oh yeah,
1: it seems to be. I I have a question uh, in my notes of like, does he have line of sight hypnosis? I can't remember the context (laughs) of that, but presumably he looks away and then someone is freed from the mind control, which doesn't play out in other scenes. But
0: and is it just him or is it the others as well? Because do you remember the scene where Romana and uh, what's his face? Uh, Yeah, whatever his face is, they they go in to rescue um, he who shall not be named, and when the two. Two vampires wake up drusilla and zoro and, yeah. and we get that very silly you know drusilla raising her hands and trying to be a spooky vampire witch whatever uh, <laughs> romana is basically hypnotized oh, in that oh, scene. yeah yeah <laughs> she's paralyzed somehow through the mental powers of actually I think it might be Zoro like Zoro does something to her and she's defenseless you know she's immobilized
1: right yeah I've been thinking actually maybe it was only Orkhan but yeah I think that scene is probably the exception like, he definitely wields that power more than they do definitely something.
0: he does it to the doctor and he does it to he who shall not be named towards the end
1: yeah like multiple times uh, yeah and he's the one that keeps Romana presumably tranced while she's uh, going to be sacrificed And yeah, yeah exactly Exactly. Okay. Uh, so so what, what did you want to note about Orgon?
0: I also had one fun scene It might actually be that scene Where he's hypnotising the Doctor And Romana goes off Breaks off a giant stalagmite Walks up to Blarkon And like, chucks it <laughs> at him <laughs> Yes Yes And you think for a moment, the way that she's throwing at him, you think that it's like, it might even pierce him. That might be like a wooden stake, you know, except it's whatever it is, calcium deposits. (laughs) But then it just, it turns on its side and just flops off him. (laughs) I thought that was a hilarious scene. But the other thing I was going to say was, there were lots of different actors who were considered for the role of Blackon. Yes, including Colin Baker. Oh, wow. Yeah. Super. Right? Colin Baker. Here are just a few other names that might ring a bell Ian McKellen. What? Peter Vaughan. David Warner. And also on this list, Patrick Stewart. I was like, holy smokes, what we could have had. What? We could have had both, you know, Magneto and Professor X. <laughs> <laughs> so then I clicked on Patrick Stewart on TARDIS Wikia, and it takes you to a different Patrick Stewart. And it's like, oh, Patrick Stewart did the, you know, he was an audio editor or something for this particular serial. <laughs> so he was just a member of the oh. crew who happened to have the oh. same name. It. <laughs> but Oh, and Stephen Berkov was also considered for this. But, I mean, the coolest thing there possibly, I mean, aside from the fact that we have Ian McKellen on that list, and David Warner, yada, yada, yada. Possibly the coolest thing is we Colin Baker, pre-Dr. Colin Baker, was considered for just like a little bit part.
1: Mm. Presumably no one auditioned? They were just potentials?
0: I don't know. They were. It it says that they were considered for the role. Yeah, okay. But Colin Baker if I'm not mistaken, I I don't know when it is but if I'm not mistaken, Colin Baker is going to appear in the role of like in some other role on Doctor Who before he is cast as the Doctor. Very much like Capaldi appeared in a different role before he was cast as the Doctor. Ah, interesting.
1: Although this time around it's going to be incredibly close to him then becoming the Doctor. Yeah, I know. That far away?
0: Yeah. Oh. I may know a little bit more about the kind of character it is, but I don't want to spoil anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> or about something specifically that that character does. We shall see. I'm not, I also don't really want to say it because I might be completely wrong. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I do have one last Orcon point, which was to do yeah. with that same scene uh, carrying on where, yeah, Romana throws that rock and they're both being hypnotized and stuff. I do have it written as a question, so I'm going to aim it at you, Leon. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, did Orcon just come with the excitement of draining the Time <laughs> Lords? <laughs> <laughs> I think this was one of these big overacting moments where he was just like, <laughs> so excited about it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean now I'm definitely going to rewatch that one scene. <laughs> I I don't remember that happening. I'm pretty sure that in a different scene that we discussed at the start of this episode, he was wielding a massive boner, but I I don't remember seeing him orgasm on screen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we might have done. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So, um, yeah, we, we've done a lot of Ocon. I think the the one character we probably should still talk about, though, is K-9. Okay, yeah, let's hear it. Just, just a, f- a few observations, I think, because, I don't know, it, we do get K-9 in this serial, which is... Good because mm-hmm. they haven't written K9 out yet. K9 is meant to be around, so it should be participating. And I think most of the interactions with Doc and K9 were quite nice. Like it's got into the the kind of the more of the mechanical puppy, yeah, <laughs> uh, good K9. Yeah, not quite to the level that the companions previously had been, where it gets a bit like kind of sickening. But yeah, it, it was when K9 is is budding up with the rebels. Like Doc, Doc is very insistent that K9 should go with the rebels, and then we have a scene of them karate chopping some people and just basically being mostly shit and nearly getting killed and then canine would come in and shoot the guards and everything and it's like hmm i feel like maybe doc should have said how about i send canine in and then then you go go in and karate chop
0: yeah exactly
1: that whole whole series of scenes was just like no K nine is a, a human tank well not, not human tank a dog tank and yeah. he, he could take out that entire complex like why are the rebels even there
0: <laughs> yeah exactly absolutely i mean th- this is yet another one of those cases where you know we have a problem we don't really know how to solve it but we do have a machine that literally solves any problem <laughs> like just wheel him in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's super smart, he's indestructible, and he has a fantastic laser. I really like the scene after the battle when the rebels offer their respect to K9 after all. But like I- I'd like to say thank you to K9 anyway. And,
1: and... Yeah, no, it was nice that K9 got his dues.
0: Yeah, he's great. In the beginning, I was almost... I mean, I, I did add a note somewhere in part one, just as like, is that a different K9 voice again? but then i realized uh, oh. Oh. but then i realized no actually it's not it's, it is john leeson but in the beginning it just sounded like oh maybe they've maybe they've not added a filter or maybe they have added a filter like there's something that seems too human about it
1: i do know what you mean actually like to the point where I, I i can't even think what i'm picturing where i'm picturing it from but i can picture someone off screen with a like hand mic
0: Right exactly
1: in the lines and yeah a couple of occasions I was listening to canine picturing the person off screen with the mic
0: <laughs> yeah and I would would also just like to point out to podcast land that at this point <laughs> as we're saying this both Jim and I mimed holding a mic even though we are both staring at each other over Skype talking into <laughs> microphones <laughs>
1: you have to mime the holding not not, like not just point there. out the ob- no you're right <laughs> That it is says a good point. Miming, holding a microphone, and then pointing at his microphone. <laughs> <laughs> right,
0: on that note, shall we try to rate this?
1: I think we should have a go. Yeah. Rad.
0: And now it is time to rate this. Did we love or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Writer Rooney and Cheese Nozzles. We have arrived at the. Our minis section of this podcast episode, and I lost the finger on tip of nose game, so I'm going first. Right. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, wow. Well, hold on. <laughs> hold on to your pacemakers. Right. You know what? I didn't realize how much I had missed the gothic hammer horror shenanigans of earlier who until this spooktacular serial crept up from behind me and threatened to pop a hickey on my neck. Uh, it's great. I love it. I would rewatch it in a heartbeat. I know you disagree. I don't care I love this stuff Tom Baker is given more than a handful of occasions to just bake up a storm here Lots of fun scenes with the rebels Marvelous bants with the baddies A good couple of combos with K9 and Romana K9 by the way I thought tastefully underused He's not written out completely but he is You know, He's tastefully written out and then tastefully written back in It's just nicely done Romana, meanwhile, Mm. a little underwhelming at times. Not Lala Ward's fault, just the character just sort of paints herself into some pretty stupid corners, like being so indiscreet when trying to wake he who shall not be named, for example. Uh, But overall, I I also really enjoyed her. And also just to note, although she and Tom Baker weren't on speaking terms during the production of this serial, I really thought that their characters had fantastic chemistry on screen. So, uh, yeah, you know, massive applause. Laszlo, Nadja, Nandor, freaking hilarious bunch. I constantly wanted to put a laugh track behind them. Uh, it's kind of a pity that the Raiders of the Lost Arked out in the end because I'd happily watch another, I'm going to say, you know, 18 episodes with them, at least. Um, <laughs> lastly, production value, great sets, wonderful miniatures, excellent outfits, solid bat work. And I thought that that hand, that giant hand, Badass. Although I'd, I'd really wanted to see the Vampire King in its full splendour, and we do get to see it on screen, but it's, it's a weird colour shift. You know, when home overs computer screen. Oh, um, the X
1: thing, yeah.
0: Yes, exactly, yeah. So it would have been nice to, to see him in full and in sort of in "quote unquote" real life. Also, uh, no, sorry, not lastly, because I haven't said anything about Adric. So, um, fuck Adric. Uh, I originally wanted to give this a four point six. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> You have talked me down. You've talked some sense into me. <laughs> and I'm gonna give this a four point one. Okay.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think oh, it, it awesome is
0: stuff. incredibly rewatchable. Like incredibly rewatchable. Just for the schlock. Oh, loved this serial.
1: So good. <laughs> okay. Well, you have a very big heart, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Let's <laughs> stay away from all those stakes. Uh <laughs> Okay, so that leaves it to me to bring some kind of uh, sense to uh, our then. <laughs> like, um, as I said at the very start, I was not on good footing, because when they come out and acknowledge the tropes that they are presenting on screen to us, they better well subvert them in some interesting fashion. And by golly, they did not. <laughs> and- As far as I can say, you have made a good point, though, that in the same way that the, the previous, like, Hammer Horror, like, pastiche homages were, you know, doing a different kind of game. Maybe I just missed that here. Maybe, you know, this is the vampire homage. I'm being a bit harsh, so I'm tweaking that down a little bit. But yeah, I still didn't like how trope-heavy this was, and even halfway through ripping it to shreds, we come up with new ways to rip it to shreds because that's how flimsy the premises are. (laughs) 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 You know, and alongside that, you know, the the three of them as the vampires, their acting was hammy as hell. I think you're right that for the most part, it was a good kind of hammy. You just kind of, like, went along with it. But yeah, there were big occasions when it was just a bit cringeworthy, and (laughs) you felt like no, someone's having a joke here. Like this isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> what was good though, I think I think you're right, the production values were were pretty high. I I liked the model work. For the most part I yeah I don't particularly enjoy like a hand just being pushed through the ground and going oh yeah this is a giant creature surrounded by miniatures you know whatever I, I'd appreciate the effort they went to at least for that it, it did kind of look look vaguely cool but yeah just didn't quite put it off the same way doc was good though I definitely enjoyed every quip he delivered and he delivered it very well romana was I think mostly good I think you're right though she was a bit mistreated through this serial but I, I think it's kind of what we expect with the companions like at least she She's in a position where she can attempt to rescue someone and fail. But, it, you know, it sucks that she fails and gets captured again at the minute. But with the two of them together, again, I, I totally agree with you that no matter what might be happening behind the scenes, they had a lovely interplay. And I, I in particular, love that kind of ghost story around a campfire is what, you know, the way that gets a scene. I'm gonna. I'm taking it as a plus point that it's you know it's a Gallifreyan legend. There is an undertone negative of well, this is a massive part of Gallifreyan history and culture, and you you're right that they should know more about it. But I'm I'm taking that as kind of like a a negative undertone that I'm, I'm just waving over a little bit because the scene itself was so good. But it's it's still there that negative. The the rebels though is just a general what the fuck. I have no idea <laughs> like that. <they're, laughs> Like, so going good, into, just going into the big plot hole of what the fuck this civilization is really is just like yeah you may as well just study the the rebels for millennia as to uh, try and understand this civilization. How is one guy able to work computers when no one else can <laughs> tie their own <laughs> shoelaces? I mean it's just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and alongside the fucking ridiculous, of course, is Adric. Just no fuck you. here's <laughs> <laughs> my go. friend who agrees with me. Go do something else, please. <laughs> you started on 4.6, I started on a 1.6.
0: Oh my goodness. All right. Did I talk you
1: up a little bit at least? You did talk me up. I uh, I still feel like it's the wrong side of average, so I'm stuck with a 2.0.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you probably are a bit more realistic about this. <laughs> but fine. Fine. <laughs> is my I mean, friend who doesn't agree with me
1: caveats away for those that don't always listen to this but obviously when i said two out of five um it's a two out of five for doctor who so it's always yeah, exactly. ahead of other thing yeah so don't don't think i'm just shitting on stuff like it's just like i want more that's all
0: yeah it, it, i just wanted to look something up actually because we have had vampires on doctor who before we had the vampires of venice and <laughs> you weren't on that episode That was Marie, Drew and I <laughs> Marie gave it 0. 0.8 <laughs> <laughs> Drew right. 1.4 yeah, I yeah. gave it 1.5 <laughs> This is such a better vampire story
1: Yeah, yeah, I would, I would give it that <laughs> just, <laughs> about, just
0: about <laughs> <laughs> Right, shall we have a listen to Some Listener Minis?
1: Yeah, let's find out where they land
0: Listener Minis Now let's hear from Podcast Land Fifty or it would get out of hand. Bing Bong Shazam, we have arrived at the listener mini section and holy moly we have we have two handfuls two hands full of minis.
1: Holy moly, yes. Holy moly. We got it again.
0: First out of the gate, we've got Stephen from Canada. Just me singing Stephen. Hello Stephen.
1: Stephen Canada. <laughs>
0: Hello, Stephen! Stephen starts Boy, this is just the setup for the Time Meddler, but vampires, and I love it! From TARDIS stowaways to out of place technology, this story has
1: it all. The story is a great return to the genre in which Tom Baker works best, says Stephen, and that being gothic horror. This story has enough atmosphere to raise Bram Stoker from his grave. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just his hand, just his giant hand. As <laughs> uh, Stephen goes on, the mysteries were intriguing but a bit predictable. I jokingly guessed the tower twist the first time it was shown, just from the shape of it. Me too. It's in my notes. It's in my notes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Stephen continues, but with all the mystery in this story, one question prevails: How in e-space did Adric know about cheese? Oh my god, Stephen!
0: It's in his notes. <laughs> brain, brain waves, Sink. Someone oh, sound the telepathy <laughs> klaxon. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Overall, says Stephen, this story earns four point five tacky tardis ticker tape machines out of five. <laughs> That is an excellent rating.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a very nice review. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, good stuff.
0: <laughs> Thanks very much, Stephen. Uh, next up, we've got Ed Corbett. Hello, Ed.
1: Hello there, Ed. Ed Corbett. Ed
2: <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> Ed starts. Doctor and Romano work well together in this story, and their back and forth were quite entertaining. Adric works fine and has the gumption to play along with Orkorn rather than get himself sacrificed.
2: Hmm. I
0: liked how the
1: vampires were written. They have a clear hierarchy. Zargo discusses his self
0: and fear with Camilla. They are people who became vampires and then adopted their traditional trappings over the years.
1: Mm. The special effects were varied. The model of the castle was relatively good, but you could see the stars through the TARDIS in the first exterior shot.
0: Yeah, that's true i thought about that as well it's really poorly superimposed but i wonder if maybe that could be uh, sorry editorializing a little bit here like i wonder if maybe that can be explained by saying this is you know this is e-space maybe space just works differently like maybe the everything maybe the tardis is translucent in it
1: i think i actually said the same thing in my head yeah Yeah.
0: Right, Ed continues. After their jailbreak, the Doctor decides to enter the Inner Sanctum and tells Romana to go back to the TARDIS. She tells him to go back instead, and Doc goes, Okay, see ya, and he can't be gone fast enough. He then reads till receipts for two hours (laughs) (laughs) and heads to the Rebel HQ. Romana went into a vampire lair and has not returned. He shows no concern. In Pyramid of Mars, Tom sells his aloofness as Doc's dire need to defeat Sutek, you like five years later, Doc's aloofness is because Tom's not as bothered. Ouch.
1: Ouch, indeed. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably on point, but ouch, nonetheless.
1: <laughs> it does continue, though. This is how Amahara meets Doctor Who, and the main villain meets a suitably over-the-top death. Overall, I enjoyed this, but there are too many things wrong with it to be able to call it good, e.g. the crappy plastic vampire toy. A shot guard falls down and then rolls into a more comfortable position. Well, i
0: missed that (laughs) and ed says this is a middling story so don't expect too much and he gives this 2.7 out of 5 (laughs) all right excellent hey jim here's your friend who agrees with you (laughs) yeah pretty much although i think for very different reasons (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, good stuff ed thank you very much for sending that in next up we've got peter
2: Zunich
1: is the Zoonmeister. Hello there, Peter. Hello, Peter. How you doing? Peter starts. Many times in the past I've complained about stories having little action for too long. This one is no exception. However, what this one lacks in action, it more than makes up for in mood. The most obvious analogy is Vampires of Venice. Hands blocking eyes, ears, and mouth down. This story is far <laughs> superior. <laughs> <laughs> Could not agree more,
0: Peter. Uh, Peter continues. The mood is so effectively built upon from the eerie locations to the stunning costumes and the haunting music, it's a gothic adventure in drive. If you had previous misgivings about Tom and Lala, this story assures all that they are still perfectly capable of bringing out the best in one another. Historically, many people found Adric grinding. <laughs> I don't get that, says Peter. He complains a lot, but show me a teenager who doesn't. He also brings a fresh youthfulness to the show. So fresh and so young, I I think he should be sacrificed to the all-powerful blood-sucking... Oh, sorry, sorry. Got carried away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff, Peter. We really should sacrifice the time, lady. Sorry! Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, says Peter... This story checks all the boxes of a perfect, fright medieval castle. Check. Changing the clothes of the hypnotized sacrifice. Check. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice that. Very good point, (laughs) yeah. Villains dressed up as a deck of cards. Check. (laughs) (laughs) Every shot is a portrait. Check ships? How cool is that? Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah. Spooky forest filled with digital-sounding rubber bats that fall off the fishing <laughs> pole in front of the actors <laughs> and they keep the take anyway? You betcha! <laughs> and sci-fi and go. So, given all of that, Peter concludes, this story gets full fuel tanks of blood from me, and he gives this, holy moly, 4.8 out of 5.
0: Oh, nice. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well it's it's a wonderful mini. I totally disagree with your score, but I very much thank you for enjoying it that much.
0: I super duper agree with your score and yes it is a it's a wonderful mini. Thank you very much Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree with your point about Adric though. <laughs> Just let the record yeah, yeah. show. <laughs> uh right, thanks very much Peter. Next up, we have... Are we, we going to try again, Jim? Are we doing this? <laughs> okay, I'm going I'm right. to start. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hello, John. John starts State of Decay is easily my favourite part of the E-Space trilogy. Wait, tr- trilogy, you say? First I've heard of it, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, John. I'm just kidding. You know, I'm kidding. Okay. (laughs) John continues. The story is fun and interesting. There's some great quotable lines, and the music is excellent. The story lacks some of the terror from full circle, but adds some light gore in its place. If I recall correctly, this is the vampire story we almost got during the Leela era. Mm, interesting. But I feel Lala's lovable Romana character does a fine job in this story.
1: Oh this is the one that the trivia I read, which uh this was bit well it was originally submitted. It, in 1977 or something like that when Fang Rock eventually took the spot.
0: Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah. So different Gothic.
1: Yeah. Very good. John continues. The Eastbase trilogy as a whole is a perfect peak. It starts to build, full circle, reaches its highest point, State of Decay, and then it's downhill from here, Warrior's Gate. Uh, you've been warned. <laughs> it's very much like the original Star Wars trilogy in that way, but I digress. And and you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm with you on this one John.
1: <laughs> Star Wars strategy is just all high. <laughs>
0: Uh, John continues I'm glad to have caught up with this show again and would like to openly re-emphasize how comfortably one can revisit older episodes of this podcast oh and still find joy in the experience very nicely
1: done my good fellows
0: well that's very nice of you to say thank you very much John
1: and after that uh, flattering John concludes with with, despite my preference for this story compared to the ones on the other side it's not necessarily one that is easy for me to pinpoint a fair rating for but my brain kept telling me a number and I'm sticking with it 3.9 out of
0: <laughs> very good excellent rating uh, thank you very much kind words as well people who are not john knight you can find john knight at night writer 80 that's knight with uh what jim <laughs> correct Thanks very much, John. Next up, we've got
1: Chris Taps Paddock. Hello, Chris Taps. Hello there, Chris Taps. Chris Appstance, why did it take so long to get a simple vampire story in Who? Unfortunately, when it did come, they really smashed it. (laughs) This does pick up some of the spaceships and peasants vibe from Full Circle, but it's far more effective here. And where in Full Circle you have to embrace the trash to love it, here you need to just allow yourself to melt into the velvet of a vampire's embrace.
0: (laughs) Much like the spaceship in the story itself, the sci-fi elements are embedded into a rich gothic horror story, replete with vampire lords, a forbidden castle, and peasants called to its gates, never to return. It has Lady Bathory written all over it. She The one who like bathed in blood because she thought she was a vampire or she thought she would live forever or something.
1: I have no idea but that sounds quite likely. <laughs> I'm going to Google it
0: after this. Tom Baker has loads of fun and it's a decent Romana story as well, but the less said about Adric, the better. Just wipe him from your mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well ahead of you, Chris Stapps.
1: Who are you talking about?
0: <laughs> this story was originally scheduled to be produced in 1977 but was shelved and it's clear why they came back to it. The story simply sparkles like a twilight vampire 4.2 says chris taps
2: <laughs> you
0: i hate twilight i'm sorry chris Tapps, i didn't mean to soil your mini with a twilight reference that's an excellent <laughs> mini thank you very much and a very good rating Oh my, Jim! Uh, how do you feel about these ratings? There are some. There are some uh, ratings, maybe a teeny weeny bit higher than yours. What do you say?
1: I, I would say that uh, I'm just going to drink this beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: right. Thanks again, Kristaps. Next up, we've got Matt Tilly. Hello, Matt.
1: Hi Matt, your review starts like this Here we are then, filling in the eSpace trilogy Stage of Decay. The Doctor and Romana land on the planet Hammer Horror in the hope of finding a way back to end space Instead they're embroiled in the world of peasants and vampires, and probably one of the Time Lord's biggest bads ever
0: Imagine it, giant marauding space vampires hunted by Time Lords astride bullships, giant metal bolts firing. Yes, this is a classic case of who overeats the thought is there, and in our mind's eye, we can see the splendour, but we don't get anywhere near it on screen.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm now crying for a new Who revisit. Where we get to see the the original fight. <laughs> yes, those, I mean, those bullships would be pretty cool. Matt's review continues thusly: Apparently, Ward and Baker were not speaking by this time. The only thing they were united in was their hatred of poor <laughs> Matthew Waterhouse. Happy, then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it must have been a blast. (laughs) Treats include a gloomy, atmospheric set, fantastic miniatures, lots of TARDIS scenes, that giant hand, and Orcon's insatiable hard-on for Adric.
1: (laughs) (laughs) On the other hand, beasts include bats, literally on a shoestring, (laughs) the dodgy giant bumper as seen through the scanner, and Adric... Who thought that horribly smug line, this is the one time when the goodies don't win, was a good idea. Christ on a bike. (laughs) This was Matthew Waterhouse's first filmed episode, and it shows. He is abysmal.
0: Wow. But how do you really feel about him, Matt? Um... (laughs) Matt concludes, I still loved it, though. The sense of impending doom on the build-up to Tom's exit is delicious and is only built upon between now and Logopolis. Season 18's theme is definitely decay, entropy, and foreboding. Fantastic. And he gives this 4.1 out of 5, adding, Beware the wasting, or the waster, in brackets, Adric. That's a very good rating. Wow. Very good. Thank you very much,
1: Matt. (laughs) Again, awesome review. Not so agreeing with the rating score, but no. Yeah, uh, Voltaire.
0: People who are not Matt, if you aren't already, you should follow him on Twitter. He can be found at Matt1701E. That's (laughs)
1: Matt1701E.
0: Correct. Like the first contact enterprise. Thank you again, Matt. Next up, we've got Andy Parkinson.
1: Hello there, Andy.
0: What up, Andy?
1: Uh, Andy has provided us with a maxi, which you can find on the website in the mm-hmm. comments section as normal, and we'll be reading for you his mini right now, which starts with some likes. First like, the humour has returned, but it doesn't overtake the drama. Next like, the Doctor
0: paraphrasing the Henry V
1: speech. I have no idea what that reference is, but okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not well-read enough either. <laughs> <laughs> The death scenes of the vampires as they decay. Yes, we yes, didn't like talk that. about that. That was gorgeous. Yeah, it was very
0: nice. Yeah. Uh, the three actors playing Zargo, Camilla, and Orcon ham it up beautifully and play it just right without going over the top. Agreed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Respectfully disagree with the not going over the top, but okay. And... <laughs> And his last like is, K9 isn't having his head caved in or being tinkered with and actually gets to do stuff. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Oh,
0: I'd forgotten about him being decapitated. And he then proceeds to a list of boofs. First beef, yet another planet with only one village. (laughs) Here's your friend who agrees with you.
1: Next. Beef. Okay, so I get the continental shift thing, but surely that refers to words passed through generation. The vampires are the same crew from the Hydrax. Why would they forget slash alter their own names?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it is a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Next beef. Adric is still shit at stealing food. <laughs> I forgot that this is yeah. his thing. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: that was in my nose, in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Next, move. The realization of the great vampire as he rises out of the ground. We just see a rubbery hand. It's cracked. There to be better not showing the monster at all.
0: Oh, I really disagree with that. Next up, when the scout ship penetrates, in brackets, insert Lee on snigger here. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> down through the castle to kill the great vampire, our heroes are stood there watching. There's no falling masonry or explosion as the ship crashes down. Wait, what? <laughs> also, when we see it after it's crashed, it looks tiny. Nothing like as large as it was when on top of the tower.
1: And also, how did Doc get it straight through his heart?
0: Yeah, I know. That <laughs> th- is y- that is also incredibly true. <laughs> He's just really good at aiming. <laughs>
1: Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Finally, in the list of beefs we have, again, we have a group of people with some old tech, but no idea how to use it. Uh, face of evil, I'm looking at you. Oh, that's true. That's a good point.
0: Andy adds, despite the beefs with the story, I do enjoy it and it's probably the best of the trilogy, but I can't help but feel it would have benefited being produced during the Hinchcliffe and Holmes era. Adric is slightly less annoying, but it's still very hard to warm to the character. Thankfully, the story is rescued by Doc and Romana and the deliciously evil vampires.
1: And Andy concludes with, I award this a 3.7 rebel scientist with weird plaited comb-over hairstyle out of five. yes (laughs)
0: that is (laughs) numerically i disagree but (laughs) just categorically totally totally with you dude (laughs) thank you very much andy people who are not andy what are you waiting for go and follow andy on twitter he can be found at caffrey's 71 that's caffrey's
1: 71
0: (laughs) thanks andy next up we have
1: david e he's a bit
0: davidy hello David. David starts. Picture the scene. It's Manchester. It's raining. I'm at Manopticon1996. My first Doctor Who convention, and my mind has been blown by all that I've seen. I found a cassette tape of this story read by Tom Baker at a stall and had to have it. Me and my dad listened to it on the drive back home. Never forget that. I saw this TV story years later, and have just read the Target book for the first time. Absolutely love this story. It's so gorgeously gothic, and a lovely throwback to the horror movie stories from earlier in the fourth Doctor's run.
1: David, I feel really, really bad for... <laughs> (laughs) Shitting all over your (laughs) lovely story. David continues the OTT vampire acting from the three who rule, and the eerie music all come together to make something really enjoyable. It suffers a bit from me having known the story before watching it and having created something much more impressive in my fourteen-year-old mind palace. But the only bum note is Matthew Wardhouse, who has been so obviously written in at the last minute. How does he know what cheese is?
0: Oh my goodness! I'm so pleased
1: that other people have picked up on this. <laughs> <laughs> Such- such a minor bugbear but it it really bothered me
0: (laughs) i'm super duper impressed that you guys picked up on this (laughs) it didn't it did not occur to me at all and it's so true (laughs) david concludes probably one of my top who stories of all time and he gives this can we have a drum roll please (laughs) 5.0 fantastic and really, thank you so much for sharing that memory with us. That is a that's a lovely story. I get why you would consider this one of your favourites.
1: No, that that is uh, yeah, a yeah, lovely bit of nostalgia you've got at, attached to this, which I can't take away in the slightest. And I hope my negativity has not taken away from it in the slightest. I'm sure it hasn't.
0: Hey, hey, David's uh, he's heard our show before. He knows what he's in for. <laughs>
1: that's, that's very true.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Next up, we have Michael. Ridgeway, Ridgeway. Ridgeway. (laughs) Ridgway. Hello there, Michael. Hello, Michael. Huge.
1: (laughs) I was doing Trump hands, Michael. (laughs) He was. I didn't pick up on what he was doing, but yes, it's Trump hands. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Michael has shared some thoughts regarding all of the episodes here. We're going to, they're bullet pointed. So here we go. Episode one, any cheese, no, Aldrich, but here's a growing queue of people who want to slap you round the face, airplane-style.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> um, t- I think... Leon and myself will be right at the front of that queue. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next point. Uh, like the Hadrax's state-of-the-art computer. I knew TallyTex would make a comeback.
0: <laughs> <laughs> next point, and also a reminder that we didn't have this section in our review, Jim. Cliffhanger number one. Damn it. <laughs> Look, Romana, stock footage of bats through a green filter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Episode two. Only one point. Maybe the village wouldn't have so much hardship if those two greedy extras didn't have six bowls of food to themselves.
0: <laughs> Wait, is that actually a thing? Does that happen?
1: I guess it must be in the I guess background. So, yeah. Being an attentive viewer. <laughs>
0: well done, Michael. Episode three. Fuck the time war. I wanna see the Time Lord Vampire War. <laughs> agreed
1: and uh uh, second and final point of episode three has that creepy luring guard been standing in the prison cell this whole time (laughs) (laughs) yes yes i really like that scene by the way i like that he nods
0: at the doctor after doc and romano had this very heartfelt tete-a-tete and then doc just like massively venusian aikido's the shit out of the guy (laughs) 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 loved it Episode 4, Michael continues. Canine on the throne, all hail King Canine.
1: (laughs) Uh, Next up we have, why does the King Vampire sound like a dying (laughs)
0: Wookiee?
2: Oh! I can't do it.
1: I'm not...
0: (laughs) Uh, beer and daiquiris, respectively, podcast lands. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> and last bullet point for episode four you'll be a high technological society in no time. Hmm, really? They haven't even invented shaving. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, very true. And also, I now want to write some kind of comedy thing on how you it's impossible to write the sound of a dying Wookiee without millions of people trying to attempt the sound of a dying Wookiee. I
0: think that's anyway. probably, yeah, that's, that's a fair assumption.
1: <laughs> Michael summarizes... Awesome mythology. Some cool stuff. Staking a big vampire with a spaceship is cool. Even mildly creepy at times. The blood in the fuel tanks. Mm. But this would have been done better under the darker Pyramids of Mars era. also sad to see Romana as a whiny damsel in distress. She didn't do anything. And we didn't even get to see the big V other than his hand. Unless it was that rubbish back on the monitor.
0: He also provides a rating of 2.5 out of 5 luckless villagers chosen to be slurped on by a big bat. Yuck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, quite good rating, I must say, Michael. Thank you very much for your review as a whole.
0: Yeah, uh, g- excellent review. Excellent. People who are not Michael, please do yourselves a favour and follow Michael on Twitter. He can be found at bad... Underscore. movie Underscore. Club. No more underscore. None whatsoever. Thank you very much, Michael. Next up, last up, we have Paul Warren. Hello, Paul. Hello there,
1: Paul. Paul starts, the standout from this story for me is how strong Romana has become as a companion. The doctor looks to her for advice. She sows very little fear, and she volunteers to take on the most dangerous part of the mission, although she does end up as the damsel in distress. The only downside is that the Doctor no longer has the leading role, as there are really two Doctors now.
0: Very interesting. I, I'm genuinely fascinated by how different people have different readings of the Romana-Doctor dynamic. So many different readings. Right? I love it. Okay, Paul continues. Another plus point is the sets, which for once are not over-lit and this works well with the gothic setting. The makeup for the three vampire lords is excellent, and the way Zargo and Camilla walk together is a nice touch. Orkon is probably the most menacing of the three, though, and seems to be in charge of the nominal king and queen.
1: Yeah. The main downside of this story is Adric. He's insufferably smug, and thinks he knows better than everyone else. I'm not surprised if a doctor is talking of taking him back at the end. I would have left him on the planet. K9 is also relegated to the role of talking computer, and a convenient way to stun people without the doctor carrying weapons.
0: The only question I have is, what is the wasting? Everyone is terrified of it, yet it is never fully explained.
1: Overall, though, concludes Paul, this story has a good cast and is executed well. It's definitely my favourite of the East space trilogy.
0: Nice. And
1: Paul hasn't given us a rating, but... He previously gave Full Circle 3 out of 5, so we're assuming this must be around the former.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think we'll... that's a fair assumption.
1: Yeah, we'll see a clearer picture with the uh, the final one if he gives a rating for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you very much, Paul. Just to say, the wasting wasn't... Hang on, Jim, can you remind me? Is the wasting blood being, you know, siphoned and stored in the, in the tanks? Holy shit, I've got a question for you. Why do they need to drink people when they have full fuel tanks? Like full, you know, the fuel tanks are full of blood.
1: I feel like there's a, uh, the master gets all this, you get nothing kind of thing going on, but I feel like also they could have a cup and it wouldn't really make a dent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're so
0: right. <laughs> And how many people did it take to fill those fuel tanks?
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> more there... than the thirty village. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, so maybe the the master, the you know, the the king vampire, isn't actually drinking the blood particularly quickly.
1: Yeah. Again, just one of the many plot points and reasons why I thought it was a bit
0: shite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, I'm, I don't get me wrong. I see where you're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. And.
1: Uh, Paul, I think Paul's right, the wasting isn't fully explained, but yeah, I, I took it also to be like the, the mass event of people being drained.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, Paul. If other people want to thank Paul, where can they go? That's an excellent question, Jim. Why, they can go to Twitter. He can be found at P-Wearing. That's P-Wearing. <laughs>
1: excellent stuff.
0: I feel like you had a question, though. (laughs) That's true. I do have a question. Why are they keeping the desiccated
1: bodies? That's a very good question. Just to uh, lend some ambience to the the massive blood tank room.
0: There aren't that many of them either. I mean, if this has been going on for potentially thousands of years, it would take a lot more than that room.
1: Yeah, they... Yeah, I I don't know. I, I liked the detail that <laughs> it wasn't just like oh here's his three banks on top of each other um and there's one body in each. Actually, each bank had like a pile of bodies.
0: That's true, yeah. It was, but it's um, it's still not enough. Not many,
1: three or three or four. So, yeah, at mo- uh, most we probably saw, I don't know, 30 bodies in that room.
0: Yeah. They gathered let's say what 10, 15 people at the start of part 1.
1: Mm, yeah, probably closer to 10. 10. But, okay, yeah, yeah, 10. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. But yeah, they've they've fucked up their numbers. That's <laughs> <laughs> Definitely.
0: If they're desiccated bodies, maybe it's like, you know, human jerky. So every now and then, a big daddy vampire <laughs> just like grabs one of them and just chews on it. <laughs> and it gets really sticky. Like it gets stuck between his teeth. And it's like, oh, it's so annoying. This always happens with jerky. Damn it. You know, Anyway
1: that's the thing like it has to be the big daddy as well because they made such a big point i think it was the queen that munches on Tarek. is it he, like, he's been thrown across the room and he's been killed and she like immediately goes in for a bit yes. of blood and it's like oh damn it he's dead and blood's all stale and like gross when they're dead i like a, i want a fresh one bastard <laughs> <laughs> you just you don't waste
0: food damn it zorro <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so they're not eating the jerky, are they? No, that's true, yeah.
0: <laughs> right, I feel like that concludes our State of Decay soiree. This has been a blast. What have we got coming yeah. up next?
1: Uh, I believe in uh, New Who stakes, We'll be having uh, no sleep at all, because there'll be sleep no more.
0: <laughs> nice, yes, correct. After which, we're back in classic country with Warrior's Gate. I hear that's a great one.
1: Oh, interesting. <laughs> I hear uh,
0: that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And at some point, we'll do some uh, Audio Who as well. Uh, It'll be Lucy Miller and To The Death. Don't know when. We'll see. But in the meantime, you can uh, say hello to us on Twitter. Jim, are you on the Tweety Tweets? Yes, I'm on
1: the Tweety Tweets. You can find me uh, at Jimmy the Who.
0: Nice. Very nice. That is some excellent branding <laughs> you got there. <laughs> Please <laughs> note, I did not
1: question it. You didn't, and it always freaks me out. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Where can Podcast Land find yourself?
0: Oh, thank you for asking. Podcast Land. you can find me at Ponkin, P-O-N-K-E-N. I might change that at some point, but uh, you know what? I'll probably let you know beforehand. I just want to make this known. I've tweeted now thrice in, I think, as many weeks, which for me
1: is a lot. So... <laughs> Yeah, and they've all been absolute gold. So, like, follow this chat pronto. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, if you wanted to follow me at any point in time, now's that time. <laughs> Jump on the chance.
1: <laughs> He's hit that point in the pandemic where it's like the only thing left is tweeting <laughs> <laughs>
0: once a week. <laughs> Totally worth yeah. it. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you very much, Podcast Land. You've been a lovely audience. Please continue to be responsible. Keep your distance. You know, stay safe. Stay healthy. Rock on. Be right next to each other. And cha chao.
1: Yeah, take care of yourselves. Look after your mental health as well as your physical health. Reach out if you need to. Stay safe, everyone. See ya.
0: and more, which increases in kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha chao.
1: It's a wrap.
0: It's a wrap. We did it. Doobie doobie ski biscuber.